Well, good morning. Grab your Bibles. Turn to ECC, Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. And we're going to continue on in this section, uh, verses 12 through 18. We see the writer, who I believe is Solomon, the teacher. Uh, he turns from the third person uh, to the first person. And in verse 12, he says, I, the teacher, in the in the last few verses, he was speaking in the third person, uh, which is not unusual. David did it in many of the Psalms, so it would not be unusual for Solomon to learn from his father. But here he is in the first person. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Remember, only two kings sat on the throne in Jerusalem over a, a united kingdom, and that would have been David, who for the first seven years was in Hebron or Hebron, and then he made Jerusalem the capital uh, the city of David, and Solomon sat on that temple uh, or that throne in Jerusalem as leader of the kingdom that was united, and he did that all of his life. Um, verse 13, uh, we start to get into a little bit of muddy waters, and I want you to be careful here, and I want to be careful here. It says, "Devoted, I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Remember, we said three times in Ecclesiastes under heaven, which is more of a a spiritual perspective. So he devoted himself and started along that path. Uh, let's get into 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Remember, when Solomon was to be king, David sat him down and had a talk with him. And in 1 Kings chapter 2, he gave a charge to his son Solomon. Verse 1, we'll just uh, 1 through 4 here. First uh, Kings chapter 2. When the time drew near for David to die, to give a charge to Solomon his son, he says this, I am about to go the way of all the earth, meaning returning to the earth. He said, so be strong, show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and, and requirements as given in the law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the Pentateuch, so that you may prosper in all that you do. And wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me, if your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. God gave David a promise that his kingdom would not come to an end. There would always be someone from the lineage of David who would sit on the throne or who would be king. Quickly, just for a second, turn to Matthew Chapter 1 and verse 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1 1 says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. We see this uh, um, lineage continue, and, uh, and then you get into Revelation chapter 5 and you find out that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is a, another prophecy about him and his continuation of this uh, of this line and so we see uh, he was instructed to look at uh, the earth from God's perspective he remember the the kings had their own copy of the scroll they had their own uh, copy of uh, the Torah and they were supposed to write it actually out when they became king and have their own copy and then they were supposed to read it and keep it next to them. So he said, I devoted myself to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven from a, what I believe is a heavenly perspective, which would be from the law of God. And then let's go on. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. Um, 
he looks at this and he kind of feels like you feel this responsibility, I guess, as a spiritual leader and a responsibility as the king to make sure that everything uh, stays on track. And, uh, and then he goes on in verse 14, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. He changes from under heaven, this godly perspective, to I've seen all these things that are under the sun. He has seen what is going on. Uh, in verse 13, though, underline God, G-O-D, uh, that is Elohim. That is the sovereign God. So he says, what a heavy burden God, the sovereign God, has laid on men. And then he says, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. He uses Elohim. He uses the sovereignty of God, this God of sovereignty, not Jehovah, the covenant God, but the God who is sovereign, who is in control. And that's important as we get down here a couple of verses. I'm, I, uh, uh, I wanted to bring that out and, and skipped over it. I apologize for that. Um, under the sun, all of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Notice that he divides uh, under heaven, but then he goes into under the sun and says all those under the sun are uh, meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Verse 15 is, is important, I think. Uh, what is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. And what I believe he is saying here is that what what is not... Um, Man's ability is not to be able to change or to straighten what God has made crooked or to make crooked what God has made straight. Let's look at uh, Ezekiel, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13. Consider what God has done, is, uh, Ecclesiastes seven thirteen. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? Um, there is this uh, attempt by man to either straighten uh, what is crooked or to make crooked what is made straight by God. It is this uh, trying to, in a sense, overthrow uh, who God is and set man up in control. That's why he uses the term God here, Elohim, meaning that God is the one who is sovereign and in control. And the best that we can do and what we should do is submit to this God. Go to Romans chapter 1. Uh, I know this seems like an odd tie-in, but I felt like it fit this morning when we're talking about uh, God being sovereign and God being in control and man trying to usurp that authority. Um, look at verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, and the truth is the truth of God's existence. Um, since what may be known about God is plain to them. Remember Psalm 19, 1 through 4, there is this general revelation, the heavens declare that there is a God. It doesn't name him, but we should be able to look around and know that this is not an accident. We're not like a cosmic mistake or uh, we're, we're not accidental and life isn't meaningless in that way because God has made it plain to them, meaning every single person who has ever lived, God has made his general revelation known to him and God will only hold us responsible for what we know. And so everybody who has ever lived has a general revelation that there is a God, a mighty God, uh, who created all things. Verse 20, for since the creation of the, of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, be, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. We look at the world and we know that there has to be a designer. There has to be. 
It isn't a mistake. It isn't an accident. It didn't just blow up and blow into what we have today. No. Uh, although there may have been a big bang, I think the big bang was when God spoke. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. What man tries to do is create and all he does in a sense is recreate. He takes what he sees and tries to to morph that into something because man was made to worship. Man was made to worship. We know there is an emptiness in us. In fact, uh, we will get into that and talk about that because in Ecclesiastes, he said, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. We have changed it. We're trying to make crooked what is straight or straight what is crooked. And God, G-O-D, God, Elohim, uh, um, Solomon says, is the one who is sovereign. We are not. Verse 16, I thought to myself, look. I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me, anyone who has ever been on the throne in Jerusalem. And that that goes before even his father David because there was the judges and there were priests and there were uh, prophets. There were people who were in um, authority. And he said, I've, I've, uh, more than anyone, I have this wisdom more than any of them. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of the madness and folly. He looks around at everything that is man's wisdom. He looks around at everything that man talks about or man possesses or says this is the wisdom of the ages. And he says it's folly. But I learned this too, that this is chasing after the wind. Underline that chasing after the wind. And this again to me is a beautiful picture of what man has been doing since his creation. All the way back to to, to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a better idea. They listened to uh, the deceiver and they fell. And from that time, they were separated from God. God is uh, the one who seeks after us. We're not seeking after him and we're trying to recreate or create something better, some utopia, some some place of perfect peace. And we will not have that outside of Christ. Verse 18, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. The knowledge that I desire to have, the knowledge that is most important to me is to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything else, Solomon says, is meaningless. The wisdom of this world and the wisdom of these ages does nothing to people but puff them up and make them arrogant and make them feel like they are someone who um, uh, is special. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. I want to uh, share a couple of scriptures in Isaiah, the, the great prophet Isaiah, um, who I absolutely love reading about and uh, I love there's so much. Um, there's so much um, prophecy about the Messiah. But look at chapter 40 and verse 8. We're looking about wisdom and we're looking about what's really important. In chapter 40, verse 8, he says, The grass uh, withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. There's that word Elohim, uh, the, the sovereign God 
Uh, it stands forever. His words stand forever. Man's words fail. Man's wisdom fails. Every time man thinks he can recreate or create something that makes uh, the world a better place, there are always these uh, byproducts or these problems that come with it. Look at a drug commercial, if you don't believe me. Sometimes the the cure is worse than uh, the, the curse and worse than the problem. Uh, you know, you say, try this drug, and then all of the potential side effects are almost worse than... Uh, uh, than, than what the drug is supposed to fix. Man is a creator in the sense that he was made in the image of God and he loves to create, but he is not the, the creator. There is but one. His name is God. He is Elohim. And look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, again, talking about the word of God. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the for the eater. God has established the cycle. God has established um, what makes things grow. Look at verse 11. What a beautiful picture that's spelled out and really answered for us in verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose purpose for which I sent. Man's wisdom will never accomplish what God's a word will accomplish a man's wisdom many times return void because it is from our arrogance. It is from our desire to replace God, but God's word will never return void. It will accomplish what it sets out to accomplish. Let me pray for us. Numbers chapter 6, 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Plant your nose plant your flag in the word of God. It will never return void. God bless you until we talk again.